podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. David! Gagan! How you doing, buddy? We're back again. We're back we again are. This week for the second, well, kind of. Yeah, is it still class of the same week? Yes, it is. For the second old school of the week. Um, I hope you enjoyed the uh, the chat on the quad stuff. It was, I thought, it was a balanced, very balanced chat, like I said before. But today, because it's kind of international break, there's, you know, we could talk about stuff. Um, there's not much news, is there, Dave? Let's be honest at the moment. I suppose Mo Mo's Egypt beat Senegal yesterday in the first leg of their two two leg qualifier. Um, but really, there's not much else to say about that. I think we want to do something that we kind of preview up for the for the summer, which is the transfer committee show. So yeah, if this is the last window to do it as well, because it's going to get absolutely stack busy in the next month and a half, so or two months, hopefully, fingers crossed. So guys, we're going to do keep uh, loan or sell. And we're going to go through the Liverpool squad. I've got the squad list up in front of me here from the official site. I'm sure Dave's got the same. And we'll work th- through um, <clears throat> what we want to do. How do you want to do this, Dave? Where do you want to start? The, the Traditionally, keepers, defenders, midfielders, strikers, or a bit more exciting? Go somewhere no, go, else? go through. Go position by position, I suppose. Yeah, fine. Oh, okay. You want to do in terms of um, position in the team? Yeah, like, so like goal, goal goalkeepers, keepers, defenders. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Let's do goalkeepers then. Cool. So, yeah, we got five of them on the books at the moment. We do. We have five of them. We've got Ali, we've got Adrian, we've got Karius, we've got Kelleher, and we've got Pitaluga. We've also got a couple of very talented keepers in our academy. So, we're in really good shape in terms of the in terms of the goalkeeping position. It's the healthiest it's ever been at the club. There's no more Adam Bogdans. You know, we don't pine for a great starting goalkeeper or a better backup. We're in very, very healthy no situation. Like we, when Kelleher comes in, not worried at all, you know? No. Um, it's a drop, let's be honest. It is. A, anybody, anybody apart from Alisson is a drop, but it's not a major, major one. Like he comes in, He's good with his feet. He's 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 able to make big saves. Um, and the the biggest thing, right, Dave, is that the defense trusts him. Yeah, that's the biggest thing because you could sense with Adrian. No, <laughs> the defenders were as panicked as us <laughs> when he was in goal. So yeah, um, I'm yeah, like you said, I echo everything you're saying. Keller is a fresher breath, breath of air, man. Having someone like that, um, a number two, um, I I echo Klopp. He's the best number two in the world. 
I don't think he's anywhere close to the best number two in the world, personally. I'd look at Manchester United have Dean Henderson, who's a better goalkeeper than him. Um, Arsenal have Bernard Leno, who's a better goalkeeper than him. Uh, I think City's Zach Steffen is a better goalkeeper than him. I think there's a lot of, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Starting USA national team keeper versus Ireland's third best keeper. I mean, it, Klopp gets very carried away with his praise for his players. I'm believing that I'm back in a, a countryman. I'm just disgusted. I'm He's the third best Irish keeper. Gavin Basunu, also owned by City, is better than him. And he's younger than him. And I'm Mark Travers is a better keeper Kev. than him. This this is just wrong against Big It's Kev. true, though. I'm it's true, him. though. There's, there's, if, if we wanted, we could upgrade on Kelleher. But there's no reason to. For the reasons you lined out, he's very comfortable with his feet. He can make big saves and the defense doesn't panic when he's behind them. So as long as he has their trust, he doesn't need to be a great goalkeeper. He just needs to be a solid, reliable goalkeeper. Nobody's going to be as good as Allison because Allison's the best keeper in the world. Allison might be the best keeper the Premier League has ever seen. So nobody's going to be anywhere close to his level as a backup. But we don't need them to be. We just need them not to be a complete liability. And with the greatest of respect, Adrian was a complete liability. You know, like, when we had... Do you remember when we had Grobler and Mike Hooper would come in? And Mike Hooper wasn't a great goalkeeper, but he was very, very reliable. He wouldn't let you down. But then when we had David James, he'd frighten the life out of you. Yeah. And then we had Tony Warner as the backup, and he would frighten the life out of you as well. So, I mean, it's just nice to know that when Callagher's there, you're not panicking. You're not always worried about simple things. Like, if the ball gets put back to Callagher, you know it's going to be cleared fairly comfortably. He's not going to have any sort of worry about things. The one thing I really like about Kelleher is I like how confident he is in his own abilities. Yeah. He knows what he's good at and he just sticks to what he's good at. He's also now tasted success and also been in a high profile game. I mean it's we all talk Carabao and it's it's the the, the fourth on the on the list. But this season, as we mentioned in one of the other old schools this just after the final that it felt more important felt bigger um it, it was Wembley it just uh, playing Chelsea it just felt like that experience for him was massive and now that may it may even help him even further so you grow you grow with every experience in this game um I think Alisson's grown even more after winning stuff he's been mm. more even more assured um <clears throat> you know he's prone to the odd flaky kick here and there but I think that happens with every keeper really it does. It does. Especially one, like, there are games where Ali has so little to do that the odd misplaced kick here and there is bound to happen. But the one thing you always get with Alisson is that even when he's had nothing to do for like an hour, if there's a big save to be made, he will make it. So I don't worry so much about his kicking. And, uh, you know, generally his kicking is incredible. Well, he has assists, so it's good. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And generally his kicking is flawless. Every so often he does throw in an absolute stinker. (laughs) But, like, you you live with that. It's it's one tiny little thing. With the saves that he makes, he's kept us, I mean... 
he's one of the reasons we're in the title race because he's made so many yeah. massive saves in games that the one on one saves he was making earlier in the season. Wow. Like back August, September, October, some of the saves he was making when we were looking like a little bit of a shaky prospect in the league, you know, we were dropping points to average teams like Brighton and Brentford. Um, but he was still winning us games more often than not. So no, Allison is incredible. Allison's the type of goalkeeper that you want to keep as long as he's ready, willing, and able. And mm. I think Allison is, if I'm not mistaken, Allison is 29. He'll be 30 this year. And another five, six years easy. Right? That's exactly it. I mean, Manuel Nauer is is 35. He's 36 tomorrow, and he's still playing at a sensationally high level. And if you remember back when we signed Allison. The keeper I compared him to was Manuel Nauer. I said that us buying Allison at that point from Roma was like Bayern buying Manuel Nauer from Schalke. Around the same kind of age, very similar profile, same type of build, same type of skill set. And here's Nauer still one of the top five keepers in the world at 36. Now, he did have a couple of years where he dipped a bit, but he had a number of injuries. If Ali can stay healthy, there's no reason we can't get six, seven more great years out of him. Not good years, great years. Because he looks after himself so well. Yeah. Okay, let's... Um, Karius is gone, yeah. Um, he's He's gone this summer. 100%. Yes, his contract is up, so... That's it. That's it's that. a shame for him that his career at Liverpool worked out the way it did. And he's lost the last few years. But it's time for him to move on somewhere and go and be happy. Well, he's been happy to collect the paycheck as well, let's be honest. And the club have been happy to give it to him. Yeah, and he's been happy, so he's fine. You know, at the end of the day, if he wanted to go somewhere else and start something new, then he would have done it because that that drive would be there for someone, right? Yeah. If he's happy to take it and he's settled, uh, you know, in the area, fair enough, fine. You know, that's okay. I I will never... I will never begrudge someone earning money. Uh, no. I would do it myself. Oh, no, get yeah. get every penny you can yeah. because it's a short career. Yeah. And like I say, the club were happy to give him the contract and the club are happy to honour the contract, so he's happy to receive the contract. Exactly. Uh, I would say it's worth mentioning that he has been an important squad member this season purely on the basis of being a training ground goalkeeper, allowing Allison rest during training. So if you think back a couple of years to when Ali was having some injury problems, he was having one of the th- training. <laughs> that's exactly it. One of the things that was being put down to was the intensity of the training. Because Allison's such a big guy, it was just causing him some problems. Having a guy like Carius to take some of those training ground reps has been important. I think that's why you'll see one of the younger goalkeepers um, stepping up into the first team group next year and basically being a training goalkeeper and, and maybe playing for the, the 23s. So, yeah, Carius can go and he shouldn't go with any ill will, any bad feelings Mate, he had. The worst things have happened to him already. If, if you want to wish bad, it's already happened. Literally, yeah. there's, the worst that's happened to him is. 
you know, the, the how much worse can go on, really, apart exactly. from not finding a club. But he's he's been through hell, and um, a lot of fans have given him that hell too. Anyway, um, I think we, we're definitely keeping Alisson and, and Kelleher. Uh, Pizaluga yeah. too. Also. Oh, yeah. Uh, Adrian, I think time to go? No, keep him. No, keep him as well? No, keep him. Training ground goalkeeper. You have to have him. You have to have him. He's he's vital as a training ground goalkeeper because okay. he's not looking to play. He makes absolutely no fuss. And he's very good behind the scenes, apparently. He's hugely popular. Yeah. He's hugely popular with the squad. He's really close with Thiago. He's close with the Brazilian lads and the Portuguese um, contingent. Well, Portuguese speakers. He's very, very popular. And considering... He, like, he just doesn't make any fuss. He's not on big money. He was happy to sign on for this current season as the training goalkeeper under the understanding you're never going to play. So if he's happy to stay like that, give him another year. It it helps Allison. It helps Kelleher. And keep him. He Absolutely made one amazing him. save in the Carabao Cup as well. Yeah. Didn't he? he? He got to play one game because Kelleher and Alisson couldn't play. Kelleher and was he, sick, I think, yeah. Yeah, and he made, he made an absolute brilliant save. To, so he played a part in that in that trophy, at least on the, on the road to it. So, okay, that's pretty easy then. So Carrius off the books, saving some money in terms of wages there, which is good because we're going to need it. Uh, and it's one we don't need to replace externally. We don't need to go and buy someone to replace uh, No, not at all. Replace him. A body at the moment. Exactly, and like, and Adrian now is just what Andy Lonergan was a couple of years ago, mm. you know. Okay, right, let's go to defence then. This is um, pretty stacked here. Um, it's keeping everyone, really. Uh, I think maybe Reese Williams' loan, if we can get a, another, no, or maybe keep him, because obviously we've got we've got to talk about Nico and um, Nat Phillips as well here. And yeah. does Van Den Berg come back? Right. So if we start with the right backs, obviously we're keeping Trent. Obviously, yeah. So Nico, I, I think it's time to sell. Yep. He's having a good loan at yeah, Fulham. And that's the thing. They're going to want to keep him. They're going to come up into the Premier League. So they're going to be looking to spend a bit of money. I'd imagine a player who plays a role in getting up, even though they were, you know, they were running away with the championship before he got there, but he's played a big role in keeping them at the top of the table. He's, I scored, think a they, belt. he's scored a he's, couple of belters. He's doing. He's been given trust. I think the thing is with the player, right here, the bar's too high. You know, there's, a, there's sometimes there's a bar, right, that yeah. you've got to reach. The guy in front of you is so far away from you that it kind of affects you mentally. Affects. The, the perception of the fans as well. So let's take that into account. When when Nico comes in, we notice the drop of he's good, he's decent, but he's not Trent, and he can't link the team and fit into that. He doesn't he basically. He's not in the mold of a Trent, is he? No, he's and a different that, player. And finding that player is going to be really hard for us as a backup. But but he's young. He needs to go and play because he's decent, and he's mm. shown when he's going to the championship. He's 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 gone crazy. If, as long as Liverpool do something smart with the sale of Nico in terms of sell-on fees or maybe, I don't know, buy-back if he does 
get to a potential where he's amazing because they might be you don't know they grow players going he's doing so good there that you just never know what will happen so yeah uh, we need we need some we need some clauses when we sell him but i hope we get a decent money what would you think price we'll get 10 to 12 million maybe a few a few add-ons as well that could push it a little bit beyond that as you said you put in a sell-on clause you put in a buyback clause Maybe a buyback buy clause for $20 million and a yeah. sell-on fee on anything over what they've paid us. That would be good. And car value um, as well, remember. And, we want. You know, I, I don't think it's something we'd ever, we'll ever want to, to trigger, but just on the off chance he does exactly ha- have a surprising development. You don't but, know, do you? Yeah, no, let, let, him, let him go and stay at Fulham long-term. Yeah. Um, he needs to be playing more regularly and Fulham will allow that. And Fulham are the type of club that will suit him because, you know, if they go back down after a year, he can just go back down with them. It's not like he's too good for the championship. He's a good championship player, but that's what we knew he was going to be. We'll see yeah, next season if he's... At that level, he's excellent. Yeah. So, that's good. so let's see if he's, if he's a good Premier League player with them next year. And if he struggles then he can just go back down with them and Fulham's a good club for him to develop at so yeah you definitely I think you sell Nico um at left back you keep Robbo obviously and I think you keep Costas unless he asks to go mate he's not asking to go he is so happy (laughs) yeah he is but he is so happy I, I I wouldn't rule out the possibility that he gets some very good offers oh, from so. other clubs where he can go and start. And the bottom line of it is he wants to stay as Greece's number one at left back. And that's not going to happen if he's not playing regularly. Now, this season he's played 20 games, mm. but he was lucky with the Robbo injury early in the season. If Robbo doesn't get hurt, that's probably more along the lines of 12 to 13 games. In which case, maybe he's less happy. So, I think he'll give it another year. Yeah, me too. I definitely. And also, I think Liverpool want to will want a decent fee for him because he's done well. Oh yeah, hundred percent. You're you're definitely wanting over twenty million for him. Exactly, man. And that that's the kind of thing that might turn Liverpool's head because they might say we can get a similar player for ten, thirteen million again. Do you get what I mean? Well, that's it. We could go. Maybe we we could sell him and go and buy Jamal Lewis, who's the player we initially wanted to buy. Because Newcastle don't seem to want him anymore, and we could maybe get him on the cheap. So if we got twenty million for Simicus and mm. bought Jamal Lewis for eight million, well, all of a sudden we've got twelve million now to put into a pot for something else. So yeah, I, I would say keep. But if he asks to leave, or if someone blows us away with an offer, you'd at least consider it. Mm, absolutely agree. Uh, but for now, I think we all agree that he's going to stay. Yeah, hopefully, um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Centre backs, I think everybody's staying apart. What about Joe Gomez? What are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, you keep Verge, you keep Ibu, you keep Joel. There's no doubt there. I would keep Reese Williams as like the fifth centre back, and also mm. because he's 21 now, so he mm. classifies as a home homegrown player for next season. Perfect. So he's worth keeping for the quota in the sort of role that Nat Phillips had at the start of the season. Uh, I think you obviously will sell Nat Phillips. He's clearly not good enough to play for Liverpool, but he's doing well in the championship because he's a championship-level player. 
and he'll come up with Bournemouth if they come up. And again, he'll see how he does in the Premier League. But if they go back down, he can go back down with them. Uh, and again, with Nat, you're looking similar type of money to Nico, 10 to 12 million. And maybe some add-ons. I wouldn't be putting any kind of buyback there clause in that one. There was some news yesterday that came out that um, 15 million is what the agreed thing might be for him if he signs for them. It might be including add-ons. I have a great... Well, maybe. Maybe. If they come back up, maybe. Yeah, yeah. We do like to rip yeah, we yeah. do like to rip Bournemouth off. Exactly. And they probably well, fifteen million is well. an awful lot of money for Nat Phillips. Like you can go and buy a good centre. Well, back. the thing is, right, imagine million. it this way. If you if you get someone on loan, because Liverpool wanted to sell him and they weren't sure, right? So they said, Look, loan him us and if we get up with him into the Premier League, because we're gonna have a windfall there, over a hundred million coming in the coffers, we'll pay you the we'll pay you the extra couple of mil. To, to 15 so it might be the case that if he comes up if they do come up sorry mate that you know he's a Premier League player so therefore mm. here's your 15 million and I'd be really happy with that that would be um, that would oh, yeah. be amazing Fif- I mean, you 15 20... million for a guy we couldn't get 5 million for 18 months ago yeah you'll absolutely take that you, you get nearly 30 million be- between the two of Nico and um, and um, uh, Nat that would be yeah. madness right <laughs> yeah and that's what we should be looking to do like that's got to be one of the purposes of our academy 100%. is to develop players to sell players who aren't good enough to play for Liverpool, develop them to sell to championship clubs or bottom tier Premier League clubs to make the academy itself self-sustaining, but also to you know create some money to spend on the first team. Mm-hmm. Um, then the other question mark obviously is Joe Gomez. Look, no, nobody should want to sell Joe Gomez. He's nope. by far the best fourth choice centre back anywhere on the planet. But like Simicus, if he asks to leave, which he might because he'll be twenty five this summer. Wow, he is so young. He is, but at the same time, he's been at the club now seven, eight years, guys. I'm mental, isn't it? And when we look at his career and his games played. He's he's not really had a career yet. No. Like, year one at Liverpool. So he has the first year at, at Charlton. He plays 24 games. He's like 17 at the time. Joins us. First season, seven games. Tears his ACL. Second season, three games. Has the Achilles issue. Then he plays 31 games in 17-18. 25 in 18-19. That's the year he broke his leg. Uh, 43 in 1920, the year we win the title. 12 last season, when he tears the patella tendon. And 15 this season. But it's not like a real 15 appearances. Because when you look at his minutes played, it's minuscule. This season in the Premier League, he's played 102 minutes. 102 minutes. Like 710 minutes across his 15 appearances in all competitions. That, for a player of Joe Gomez's talent, is is a waste. Now, if he's happy to give us another year, continue to work his way back to fitness, 979 minutes in all competitions last year. Like, he's been ruined with injuries. I agree, mate. There's um, and what, what about the fee? If if Joe say a villa, oh, he wants in, to go. You're looking thirty five, forty million minimum. That's awesome for, for a player awesome. of his caliber. 
Yeah. At his age. Because and we've got to replace this... him as well, dude. We've got to replace him as well. That's exactly. Exactly. Like, we've we've got to go and find a, a, a potential replacement of equal caliber to Joe. Mm. And the thing is, you look up and down the league, right? He doesn't get in the City team because they've got very good centre-backs. So take them out. He starts for Chelsea. He's better than Christensen. He's better than Rudiger. At his very best, he's better than Rudiger. He's better than Aspilicueta. He's better than Chalaba. He starts for Arsenal. He's better than Ben White. He starts for Spurs. He's better than Eric Dyer or Ben Davies. He starts for United. He's better than Harry Maguire. And he's better than every other centre-back in every other club in the league below that. The only teams in the league he doesn't start for are Liverpool and Man City. Every other team he starts for. And he's the ideal centre-back for a couple of them. Like for Spurs, who want to play a back three, he's perfect. He could play on the right, the left, or in the middle role, where his calmness, his assurance, his reading of the game, his recovery speed, his covering ability, and his ball-playing ability would be absolutely ideal in the middle of an Antonio Conte back three. He starts... Villa want him. Villa looking to upgrade on Tyron Mings. Absolutely ideal. Newcastle, money rich. They want him. So, if a big offer comes in... They pay 60 for him. Fuck that. Yeah. Yeah, and they might have to. There's an oil tax. I'm sorry. Oh, 100%. 100% there's an oil tax. There has to be a 20 million oil tax. Because at the end of the day, that's the only way you level the the, the playing field with it. Mm. They want to spend, right? We'll take some more money because then we can spend. And I think, I mean, you know what we'll do? The the other pod we're going to do instead, what we'll do is um, at some point this week, whether it's today or uh, later in the week, we'll do who we're going to buy, who we think we should buy, like a precursor to the transfer committee for these these players that we think we want to or may may go, maybe sold. Mm. So I think that'll be a more interesting pod for for the AI Pro listeners. So um, okay, so there's a question mark on Joe, as in just more, not about us. We'd keep him because we're happy. It's yeah. about like Simicast. It's about him. It's about the player saying, look. I know the player in front of me or the players in front of me are going to play a lot more regularly and they're going to be rotated. Um, is there going to be enough games for me here to, be, to, to you know, succeed in my career? So, exactly. again, exactly. Or, or if, if somebody comes. just comes in and says, look, here's 60 million. Yeah. In which case, yeah. thanks, Joe, but good luck. Yeah, because Joe's going to get a wage increase, right? If he goes somewhere yeah. like that, too. He's going to be... Yeah. On, Joe's, know, not, Joe's not going to lose out. But, yeah, it's only if someone blows away with an offer or he asks to go. Otherwise, you definitely keep him. And it's also, I think he loves it here with VVD and with he's made some absolutely amazing friends for life. He so, does, but at the same time, he's still got to think career. about his career. Like, as Brundish put it best the other day, he's England's best centre-back. Mm. But he's Liverpool's fourth best centre back. Yes, crazy. And if he was anywhere else, like I said, he'd start for anybody other than City, and mm. he'd be first choice for England. Amazing. And you know, it, it it that kind of thing I think matters to Joe. I think he wants to have a great career. I think he knows how good he can be. So, yeah, if if a big offer comes in, or if he wants to go, then you wish him well and move him on, and you go and replace him. But I have a feeling, Dave. Other than that, he, he's going to be playing a, a few more minutes towards the end of the season. So I think there's going to be a need to rotate two defenders um, as we get into that really crunch. You know that heavy time Premier League. Games. I think 
I think he'll play some more minutes at cent at, at right back. True. Yeah. I don't see way. him playing. I don't see him playing much at centre back. Let's see. Let's see because I think there's some really fast turnaround games. I'd be surprised be if Virgil doesn't play every single game till the end of the season, guys. We need to be careful though. Sixteen yeah. games left. All of them cup finals. Mm. I don't think Virgil's sitting out unless we hammer Benfica away. Yeah, yeah. Things like then that. Virgil sits out the second game at home. Yeah, definitely. But aside from that, I think he plays it's every just game. Just the crunch around these Man City games that we talked about last time. That's all. Um, okay. So we'll come back to um, defenders in the next pod as we just to, to follow on from this discussion. But let's move to the midfield then. Um, there's seven of them in here. <laughs> And um, I did think there were more because Elliot's been playing in there, but I think he's Liverpool have put him in the forwards list, which is fair mm. enough. Um, but we probably want to include him in here because that's where Klopp tries to play him more. Um, okay, I think there's some obvious ones in here uh, that are got to go. I think Milner and Ox are, are two. Uh, Sorry, just before we go on to, to the midfielders, Mm. There's two other defenders to take into account. Oh, Sepp Vandenberg. Oh, yes, of course. Sorry. I would say loan. Loan him again. I'd say loan him again, yeah. I think he's doing really well. He's developing really nicely. There's no real point in bringing him back to be the fifth or sixth centre-back, the third-choice right-back. Yeah, he's not playing when... centre-back, is he, at the moment? No. Well, he's playing right side of a three quite a bit. So right, okay. You know he's doing, and he's doing really well. He's been brilliant for Preston, but I wonder if maybe he could do with a step up in the caliber of team he's playing in and the caliber of opposition. So maybe you look to find him a Bundesliga loan or a loan in France, maybe, and get him some serious first team minutes in a, a top flight team in a big five or big six league. So I think a loan for him, and I think it's just time to sell Ben Davies. I mean the most pointless signing in the history of football. He's never played for us. He's never going to play for us. There's a lot of championship clubs that would happily take him. And I think we'd make, I think we'd get four to five million for him. So I think it's time to move Ben Davies on. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, what we, that's a profit, right? And that, there's a profit there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Paid a million and a half, I think. So perfect. Okay, so those two are done. Uh, midfielders, then. Yeah, so I think you're right. I think Milner should go. It doesn't doesn't really offer anything on the pitch anymore, and earns an absolute ton of money. So for all the leadership or whatever the intangibles that might be linked to him as a footballer, he hasn't been. He hasn't been good enough to play for Liverpool for a couple of years now. Um, so I'd be letting him go. I'd sell Ox. I think it's just, that's run its course. And unfortunately for him, he's just never been able to establish a real rhythm since he had the really bad knee injury. Um, but we're four years on from that. It's actually almost four years to the day. It was the semi-finals, wasn't it? Um, so we're getting real close to that. Um, sell Ox. Obviously, you keep Fabinho, you keep Thiago. Henderson will stay because someone gave him a big contract. Um, Naby depends. 
if Naby's willing to sign a new contract, you give him a new contract. If he's not, he has to be sold. Because that's a £60 million asset. And the way we're run, we can't really afford to let him leave for free. So if he's willing to sign a new deal, brilliant. I hope he is. If he's not, I think he has to go. And I love Naby. But we can't afford to allow Naby to leave for free. No, not a chance at all. Not a chance at all that we can let Naby go for free. I think there will be there will be something in his contract to extend another year anyway, guaranteed. So That's possible. We might have a club option on him the way United tend to do with a lot of their players. If that's if that's the case, then brilliant. But he's got to play next year with at least the following season, you know, contracted. We can't we can't allow him to leave to play into his last season and leave for nothing because we we have to like for us to replace Naby, we have to have money to get money. We have to sell Naby. I know we allowed Emery to leave for free. I know we allowed Ginny to leave for free, but they're different circumstances. They didn't have the same type of value. Or the same type of outlay that Naby has had. We paid sixty million for Naby. We waited for a year for him, and he's earned big money since he's been here. Like Naby's been on about a hundred grand a week, so he's been here now four years. Hundred grand a week is five million a year. Four times five is twenty. Plus the sixty we paid for him, that's eighty million plus bonuses. So you're likely talking. You know, he's part of a Champions League winner. He's part of a league title winner part of a League Cup winner. Naby's probably cost us somewhere in the region of 95 to 100 million, all things considered. We can't just wipe that away. Like, we can't just let that leave for nothing, um, especially if we want to replace him. So uh, the, the hope would be you keep him, you give him a new contract. That's got to be the hope. Well, but, to be honest, if, if this season now, like, fingers crossed, right, it's a successful season. And all the way now till the end, Naby is rotated and plays all the way to the end. Mm. I can't see them not saying, you know what, it's not going to be a massive increase in wage because of what's happened injury-wise and it's risky. Yeah. But we want to keep you because we think now we know how to use you. And now we've kind of got to terms with each other. You're a, you're a big part of the squad. People loving you. The fans, you know, t- turning. There's there's this Nabby Lad stuff. It's all, it's a bit of fun, right? So, and also the performances are great when you're down and you're helping mm. the team win. And if it's a success this year, if we are successful this year with everything that we want to go for, or at least one or two of them, those things, then he's part of a, of a being historic squad, man, for the club. Yeah. And, 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 and the thing to consider as well is, because he's had so many injury problems and his Liverpool career has been a stop-start, he's not going to get more money elsewhere. So it probably wouldn't take a huge pay rise to keep him happy here. Like, if he left, where would he go? He's not going to Barca, he's not going to Real, he's not going to Bayern or PSG. He's probably going to, you know, a good... French club or a good German club. He's not going to go to one of the top, top clubs. Even on a free, I don't think those clubs would be in for him. So he's likely capping his wages at somewhere in the region of 60 to 80 grand, wherever else he would go if he left on a free. So for him, it makes more sense as well to sign 
for like 110 grand a week, which is a, a very minimal raise on what he currently earns, but is a lot more than what he'd get elsewhere. So I think for all parties, it makes sense to keep him and for him to stay and commit his future. The platoon thing with him and Thiago works really, really well. And as long as one of them's on the pitch, we're going to be very, very good. So, yeah, I, I think in all, from every angle, it makes a lot of sense to extend Naby and keep him. Yep, absolutely. Um, just message you there in the chat, Dave. Um, who's left? Okay. What, who have we not covered so far? Uh, Curtis Jones and um, Harvey. So if you want to go, I'll... I'll be back in two minutes. Yep. Take your time. So these are the two interesting ones because they're the two really young ones. These are the two that have the promise to be something really special. But at the moment, they're just talented young players. Harvey's obviously had a difficult season with the ankle injury. He'd sort of won a starting role on the team and then he breaks his ankle and then he misses most of the season and he comes back and he struggled a little bit for rhythm. But you absolutely want him around the squad next year and you want him involved, not necessarily as a starter, but certainly as a great option off the bench, someone who can play in the Cups. You'll find 20 starts across the season for him. So I think Harvey's definitely one that you would keep. Curtis, on the other hand, is a little bit uh, difficult because Curtis is 21. He is three years older than Harvey or two and a half years older than Harvey. And he's, he's at the point where he sort of needs to be playing more regularly. Now, we don't know how many games he would have gotten this season if it hadn't been for the eye injury that cost him a couple of months. There's obviously talent there, and there's a flexibility there in his game as well, where he can play either side of the midfield. I think he's a lot better on the right than he is on the left, but he can play the left-sided role. And against certain teams, he's absolutely fine. I do wonder if he'd benefit massively from a season out on loan. If he were to go to a mid-table Premier League team or a Bundesliga team and play 35 times in the league with 25 to 30 of them being starts, I do wonder if we could see him take a big step forward in his development. Because I think people have gotten a little bit frustrated with Curtis because he's not, he's obviously a better player than he was two years ago, but he's, not necessarily as impactful compared to what he was two years ago. Like there hasn't been a massive change in what he actually brings to the team from an impact point of view. You can put him as the left side at eight now and he can be a controlling player. That's something he didn't have a couple of years ago. He's a very intelligent player. But when Curtis came through the academy, we were seeing this match winner. We were seeing a guy that could just change games. And I don't think he's taken the step forward in that regard that we would have liked. Now, part of that is Jurgen Klopp restricting him and holding him back a little bit. So I 
JC Tyron has just said there, Moldy reckons Curtis might not be good enough. And and that might be the case. That might be the case, but we won't find out if Curtis Jones is actually good enough while he's sitting on the bench at Liverpool. We will only find out if he's actually good enough if he's playing regularly somewhere else. So if we could send him on loan to an Eintracht Frankfurt or a Borussia Mönchengladbach or a Wolfsburg, and he could get 25 to 30 starts, and we could start to compare him and contrast him with other players that we might be looking to bring in. If he goes there and he stands out, and we as fans look at it and think, that's a fellow we'd like to buy. If we didn't already own him, that's a fellow we'd like to buy. Then we start to get more of an idea of what he's about. There'll definitely be Premier League clubs strongly interested in Curtis Jones. I could see Crystal Palace having an interest. I could see Southampton having an interest because he's from a pressing system, so he's used to how they would play. I could see Brentford or Brighton, depending on what else they do this summer, having interest. And if he does go there, and we can... because. You hear a lot of, well, Conor Gallagher's a better player than him. And Jacob Ramsey's a better player than him. And some others get mentioned as well. And my argument against that is, right, are they better players or are they more impactful players? Because I don't think you can honestly look at Conor Gallagher and say he's a more talented, better footballer than Curtis Jones. He is a far more impactful player. Now, there's two reasons for that. One, he's a lot more dynamic than Curtis. But two, he plays every single game. So he's able to establish a rhythm. And if you don't watch Palace every single week, you might not see the bad games. But he's had bad games this season. Ramsey is is exactly the same. I don't think he's a more talented or better footballer than Curtis. But he's a more impactful footballer and a more dynamic footballer. Curtis is quite upright and a little bit, He's a little bit slow-footed at times. Now, that's not a bad thing. He plays under control. Ramsey and Gallagher play bordering on the edge of being out of control at times. And I don't mean as in throwing themselves into tackles, but you watch Conor Gallagher sometimes make a run towards the penalty area at full speed, receive a pass on the move, and the ball bounces off him. It hits him in the knee and bounces off him. So, you know, Curtis plays far more under control. So I don't know that we can say for certain that those type of players are better better than him. They're more impactful, they're more dynamic. But if he was to go on loan and get 25 to 30 starts somewhere, then he might be just as impactful as them. Yeah. So I think Curtis Jones needs to be loaned. Doesn't he? I think... Okay. I think Curtis needs to be loaned. And I I would keep Harvey and loan Curtis. So we're losing Milner, we're losing Knox, we're loaning Curtis. Yes. And we're keeping the other four? Uh, we're keeping the other five. We're keeping Fabinho, Naby, Thiago, Henderson and Harvey. Oh, yeah, sorry. Harvey's in the forwards list over here. Yeah, that's fine. Gotcha. Okay, so we're going to have to get some replacements in, aren't we, still? Because, um, obviously... Well, I would... Be... Yeah, I would that. say... We're do that on the next pod, though, aren't we? I would say we can count on Tyler Morton. You think? As, as, as a depth number eight... And like by depth number eight, I'm talking about if 
So let's say, for example, we buy one midfielder in and that player is Chuameni, just as an example here. I think you have a starting midfield three of Thiago, Fabinho and Chuameni. And Naby is the obvious backup to Thiago. Chuameni is the backup to Fab and Henderson is the backup to Chuameni, basically. You've also then got Harvey as the sixth midfielder. I think Tyler Morton is fine as the seventh midfielder. He's not going to play a whole bunch. I think he's fine as the seventh midfielder. I wouldn't have any real concerns about playing Tyler Morton as my seventh midfielder. I think he's shown enough this season that if you're throwing him in in a a League Cup game or whatever, I think that's fine. Yeah, it's just a problem of having that seventh midfielder playing too many games if there's any injuries, that's all. In terms of big games, uh, hopefully that's absolutely. Well, if we look at Ox this season, Ox has played 1,500 minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, James Milner has played 1,000 minutes. And Curtis Jones, where is he? There he is. Curtis Jones has played 1,300 minutes. So that's 3,800 minutes between the three of them. And you have to factor in, Harvey will play more next season than he has this season. 100%. Absolutely. So he takes a chunk of those minutes. Maybe 800 of those minutes are his on top of what he's played himself already this season. Mm-hmm. Morton could maybe get four to 500 minutes. Yeah, that's And then Chuameni just swallows up the rest of them. And if we've found this rotation between Thiago and Naby, maybe they both play a little bit more than they have this season as well because we keep them fitter and fresher through the season. Yeah. Maybe they don't have the injuries that they suffered earlier in the season. So, yeah, it, it could be it could be fine. It could be fine that way. Adam, if you suggest signing Jared Bowen again, I'm going to have you banned permanently from the entirety of Discord and Anfield Index. That is absolutely horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. Sort of nonsense is that. Joe Gomez is an English player, senior English player, so he counts. Uh, As I said earlier, Reese Williams counts as a as a homegrown player, so you can keep him. Queeving Kelleher counts as a homegrown player. If we bring in Carvalho, that's a homegrown player. If we buy a right-back, there's a whole bunch of really good homegrown options there. There is no circumstance, no circumstance under which we would need to buy Jared Bone. And you also forget that you don't need to have Eight homegrown players in your squad. You just can't can't have more than seventeen non-homegrown players. Yeah. So, with our with our youngsters, with the likes of Hitaluga, who'll be a, a, a big squad player next year, with the likes of Harvey Elliott, we don't need to have a full squad of twenty-five players named. This year, we only named twenty-four. This year, we only named seven. Non or seven homegrown players. 
and 17 non-homegrown. So we don't need to concern ourselves with having to have eight. You only need to have 17 non-homegrowns. Yeah. So you, there's no worries there at all. Now, look, you could look, you could keep Curtis, but I don't know that Curtis develops properly if he doesn't get a loan. He's just not playing enough minutes, is he? No. Unfortunately, and and the, that 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 the top is doing that because he needs to keep players happy, and it's you know, and and Curtis is you know a young player, so can take it right now. We're going to find out next summer. We're only going to find out in the summer and next season, really, um, if they trust him as much as you know others think. You know the 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 coaching staff does, but it's it's all up in the air. You know, we can't hundred percent say that's that's the case. Like you're saying, Dave, it's it's just not. It's all going to be dependent on what happens over the summer and whether he he sticks here. Then we'll see how he's treated next year. But if he has another season of this, he's definitely going to be sold. I think after that. Yeah, but that's the problem is is that if if you keep him for next season, you do risk that he turns around next summer and says, "I want to be sold," mm. rather than letting him go out on loan, getting experience, and coming back a better player, like. Again, look at Conor Gallagher. Chelsea are going to get a much better player back this summer than they would have if they just let him sit on the bench for the last 12 months. The loan has helped him massively in his development. Same thing with Mason Mount. They loaned him to Derby and got back a much better player. And now Mason Mount is first choice for Chelsea in England. Like, Curtis, when he was 18, was every bit as highly regarded as Mason Mount was at 18. But Mason Mount got a lot of football and Curtis hasn't had a lot of football. Now, Mason's a couple of years older than, or a year older than Curtis thing, but still, he's played an awful lot more games than him. He's got a lot more minutes under his belt. And if we have Fabinho, Chouameni, Henderson, Thiago, Naby, and Harvey... All of them are going to be ahead of Curtis. Like Harvey's a child who came back off alone, wasn't a midfielder, and yet was getting midfield starts ahead of Curtis. That doesn't bode well for Curtis. Nope. Nope. We're going to have to see. Like I said, all the points I think we've made on this have been very objective and very, you know, it's not been... Bias driven. It's literally. I really like life. Curtis. I'd love him to stay, but me too. Me too. It's I about what's best for you know him what? and I the actually, club. Long. I actually think he should play more away games because in the away games is when we try we give the ball away too much. Yeah, and he's one of the calmest ones on the ball. He'll literally turn and run with it. Well, he has been it. like, you know. if you look at our midfielders this year, he has been substantially better than James Milner, substantially better than Alex Oxlade Chamberlain, and substantially better than Jordan Henderson this season. And yet, at least two of that three will play ahead of him. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. He's got to um, he's he's got to get some big games now in the in the coming. This is the like this is a really crunch period for a lot of players in the squad, you know, Dave. Because we're getting every game, like you said, is a final. Literally, how they perform now in these finals is going to decide maybe what happens to them next year. Obviously, if you're a scouser and stuff, it's going to be more, more likely you stay and, and fight for your place. But with his age, with age on his side, he could afford a year at another Premier League club and either, you know, smash it over there and come back and try and 
find a place in the team or even get sold for big, big bucks, you know? So yeah. it, it's, 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 it's all positive really for Liverpool at the end of the day. And it's positive for Curtis. I think more than anything, he'll want to stay. This is his boyhood club. He'll want to be here forever. So um, going out for a loan and coming back may just be the best option. It depends on how many players we bloody able to buy as well this summer, to be honest. Yeah, of course. So, but yeah, all good points, Dave. Uh, I totally agree. Uh, there's a lot up in the air. It's going to be really interesting to see how these players um, perform at the end of the season and help what they what they can help Liverpool win, really, because that's that's pretty much going to decide what happens, I think. So, okay, we've done the midfield. Um, forwards, then. Yeah, um, just just just. Two other midfielders that are out on loan at the minute. Okay. Che Ojo and, and... Well, they're not really... I don't know whether the Fords are, are midfielders or Fords. Che Ojo and Ben Woodburn. It is time, Liverpool. Yeah, It is time to let these lads go. Surely their contracts are up. It can't. Just, just let them go. It doesn't matter what kind of fee you get for them. Let them leave. Che Ojo will be 25 this summer. Ben Woodburn will be 23 later this year. It's not going to happen for them. And it's not like they're going on loan and tearing up the leagues they go to. Ben Woodburn's having a decent loan spell at Hearts. But that's about it. A decent loan spell. Nothing spectacular. Poor Sheojo is a fucking Millwall. The poor fella. That's where we've sent him. This is his eighth... Sorry, seventh loan spell. Seventh loan spell. Let the boys leave. Let them go and have a career. Don't be continually loaning them out because all you're doing is becoming Chelsea in the worst possible way. Shea Ojo's contract runs till 2023. You'll get a small fee for him. Someone will give you 500 to a million for him. Maybe some add-ons. Ben Woodburn... Uh, out of contract this summer, don't re-sign him. Let him leave. Let him go and play somewhere else because it's just not fair. It's just not fair to hold on to players like that who never get their feet under themselves when they go somewhere else because they always know, I'm going to have to go back to Liverpool in the summer and I'm going to be off somewhere else. So let them go and settle somewhere and have a career and have a life. Let them leave. Yeah, it's time. We can't be precious over these things now. They're, they're, it's really limiting them, and um, it's just a drain on us as well, to be honest. So, yeah, even whether they're midfielders or forwards, they're now covered. So that means every player on loan now done. So yeah. it leaves. Uh, this is this is going to take some talking because there's so many things that could happen here, Dave. <laughs> um, okay, so people that are guaranteed to stay... Jota, Luis Diaz. <laughs> Everyone else up in the air, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Like, as in, you just don't know what the fuck's going on. Like, Firmino, Mane, got a year left. Mo's going to have a year left. They all signed the same year. Um, Minamino, does he want to stay? Will he stay? Like you said with the other players, you know, you could keep him because he's a great 
person on the bench but he's he's shown that he's capable of playing for another team mm. maybe in the premier league or, or you know in the in an upper in in the top league elsewhere in europe maybe so would he want to stay again and do this bit part i don't think so i don't think he would i think he might want to be one of the ones that goes divok surely is going you know yeah so let's start with divok divok we just let leave it is it is time for divok to leave how many minutes and... there's not many minutes this year surely for divok um, unfortunately, we should have sold him in 2019. Yeah, when his value was at its highest, and we probably would have got 30 to 40 million for him. Divock this season has played 533 minutes, 175 in the Premier League. Uh, most of his minutes came in the EFL Cup. Um, it is time to just let Divock leave. Uh, let him go somewhere. He is. 27 next month. Mad that he's still only 27, but yeah, let let him go. Let him go. It's a shame we won't get money for him, but he has repaid yeah. the yeah. fee we paid from many times over with his Champions League contribution and even the League Cup contribution this season. You know, he did play a big part in the early rounds, yeah. but it's time for Divock to go. I would put Tacky in the same grouping as Costas and Joe. Yep, agreed. Whereas if, if he wants to leave or someone comes in with a big offer, fair enough. Thanks for everything. Good luck now. But if he's happy to stay, great. I'm, I'm happy to keep as well. Yeah. If Tacky's your sixth forward, bloody hell. Brilliant. He's been so this year, man. I know a lot of people, you know, um, don't, don't rate him and all that, but you can't, you can't not rate the contribution this season. If we do go on to make history this year, Taki Takumi Minamino, Taki as we lovely we lovingly, lovingly call him, will be a huge part of it as well. You know, yeah. If Taki like if Taki wants, to, if he's happy to stay and be a cup player for us and win some silverware, brilliant. Like this, he like I said, as a sixth forward. And the problem Taki's always had, like people that don't rate him, that's a, it's a bit weird to me. Yeah. The issue for Taki is. Because he's a very good footballer. The issue for Taki is his natural position doesn't exist in our system. We play 4-3-3. There is no natural position for Taki because he's kind of caught between being an 8 and a wide forward. He played that sort of attacking midfielder in a box midfield when he was at Leipzig. And that's the perfect role for him that or a number 10 behind a striker. And we don't play with a 10 because we don't play 4-2-3-1. We don't play a box midfield, more is the pity. So the positions, like we bought Tacky based on what we saw of him at Salzburg and, and what he was able to do against us as part of that front four with him and Dominic behind Huang and Haaland. And his movement, his intelligence, his pressing, his work rate, his passing ability, those type of things are what impressed us. But they, the, the areas he was doing them in don't exist in how we play because we don't play that kind of shape. And we don't play the other system that would also suit him, which would be you know, a 4 2 3 one type of setup or even a diamond with him at the tip of it behind a couple of strikers. Taki's a very good player. Um, he's not good enough to be a starter for us, but very few people are. But if he's happy to stay, great. 
if he wants to go or a big offer comes in, sell. And, you know, like a Fabio Carvalho coming in would just be the automatic sort of replacement for Tacky stylistically and in terms of the type of types of positions he can take up because again it'll be a bit of an awkward fit he'll have to adapt he's a lot younger than tacky and i think he's more talented as well uh to adapt to being a you know a left-sided wide forward or, or a number eight um yeah. but i i like tacky and i i like what he's done for us i know he's he, he just arrives the worst he arrives and then a pandemic hits the world like the poor fella yeah, completely settled now, and also very likable from the from the mm. group. You can if you if you all watch um, the training videos that Liverpool put out, whenever he's shooting or scoring, they're always celebrating. You know, he's they must they must love him or they must know that he needs that support. You know, because obviously English not being um, first language and then learning still learning it, that support is key, man. And we've got such a good bunch of humans at the club that it allows someone like Takagi to come in and then perform like this. That's that's massive. That the squad is so good. Some people look at United squad, right? They'll have players come in, and it fucking takes them. It just they, they, half of them right now look like they're dead. Yeah, <laughs> in that squad, because there's no there's there's no empathy. I don't think at all from anyone in that squad. They're all kind of at each other's throat. Whereas this squad won't be like that. This this squad definitely isn't like that, and it allows players to come in. It allows them that time to come in and settle and then start performing. And you see that with literally everyone. There's, there's, there's not one player you could say that's just stunk it out completely, you know. So no, it's come in. So okay, we know Jota and Diaz are staying, dude. Like they have to. Right? Yes, okay. yes. For for many, many, many years to come, Diogo uh, <laughs> Jota and Luis Diaz will be here and and will continue to get better. And the two goals that they scored this week, uh, Jota's header for for Portugal. And that Diaz goal is apt. I, I can't stop watching it. I can't it, stop no. watching. Oh, yeah. So someone, someone put it in the chat, please. <clears throat> there's yeah, a cross field ball yeah. about forty yards up in the air, and he's he's running and he kills it stone dead with the outside of his foot. Are you serious? And then he just cuts back inside. Remember the Mane goal against Arsenal a few yep. years ago, where he cuts it and just bends it into the far corner. Oh, it's that. Gosh. It is. If anyone has that video, either tag gags on Twitter or put it in here. It is. I just can't stop watching it because it's so fluid. It's just, he makes it look absolutely effortless. And like most players, the ball would absolutely hop off their foot. He just kills a stone dead. And that's the one thing that's really struck me since he arrived is just how good his first touch is. Like, there's a couple that he kills in the the EFL Cup final. Long balls from Van Dijk. One, he's running full pelt with a defender beside him. It drops over his shoulder and he just kills it. Oh, on his, my it's God. Sensational. It. It's sensational. It's like Suarez versus Stoke. He's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. He's yeah, just... Yeah, yeah. What a player. What a player. Um, yeah, so him, him and Jota, yeah, they're here long term, mate. That is um, that is money as well. Arsenal, the, the, there's one yeah. from Arsenal, the right sided, yeah. When he was bending playing, into the bottom kind of corner, yeah, yeah, you're right. Play, I'm dip. getting proper visions of a couple of goals now. This, we we oh. just seem to buy the player that they just they're just so you know it's so similar in terms of like the way they score goals. Like mm. this is ideal. 
So what two you said it reminded you of Suarez against Stoke and Mane against Arsenal. What two players did I tell you he reminded me of before we signed him? Mane and Suarez. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> Love it. I, this is the thing. This is why I get frustrated when we don't spend a little bit more money. Because our talent identification is unbelievable. Like, unbelievable. These... Since since Klopp took over and Edwards got the the promotion, that's the one I'm looking at, mate. Yeah, thank you, uh, Cal. We just we haven't we haven't missed on a transfer. There's no, no flops, not one. Like you can, people can say, Carrius, Carrius got to, got us to a Champions League final. I'm sorry, for four million, he's not a flop. Clavan was bought to be a fourth centre back. He was a good fourth centre back. Um. Naby has had some injuries, but injuries don't make a player a flop. Same thing goes for Ox. You're not a f- like I don't look at Alberto Aquilani as example as a flop. I look at him as really unfortunate. Andy Carroll is a flop. Stuart Downing is a flop because they're shit. Aquilani was really talented when he played. He was really good. Naby is really talented, and when he plays, he's really good. And Ox has had. About an even split of good games and bad games since the knee injury. But before the knee injury, he was really good. There's not one flop. And there's so many of these that are just runaway hits. And like Mane and Salah are obviously the two biggest examples of us getting far more out of a player than what we paid for them. Like we paid less than 14 million for both of them. And at their peak, they were both probably in the top six or seven players on the planet. Salah obviously still is. Mane is not anymore, but still a very good player. Jota is another smash hit. And Diaz is is just coming along, going to be the same thing. He's been really good since signing. And there's no question that with the rest of this season and then a pre-season under his belt, and remember as well, Colombia are likely to miss out on the World Cup because all Peru need to do is win their next game and they've got an easy enough home game. If Peru win, Colombia are out. So Diaz will get a nice big break next season when the World Cup is on. He'll just be at home chilling. One of Mo Mane will get a big break. Yeah. So we're going to be okay. Exactly. They're not going to be off getting slogged into the ground, whereas for a lot of other clubs... Their players will be. We'll have... And imagine how... Like if it's Mo, for example. If Mo is, is still here and he's missed the World Cup and that's maybe... He, he'll be still able to play at the next World Cup but Egypt might not be good enough to get there. So Mo might not get back to the World Cup. But imagine how pissed off Mo and Diaz will be having had to sit at home and watch the World Cup. But they'll also be really fresh you know who else will be fresh? Thiago, because Louis Enrique is too stupid to include him in the squad. Naby, because Guinea didn't qualify. Yeah, you know? be loads of loads of squad will be rested. I Joel think. Matip, sitting at home, chilling. Trent might be sitting at home, relaxing. Andy Robertson might be sitting at home, relaxing. Our lads could just be sitting at home watching the World Cup, and then all the other clubs get their lads back absolutely knackered after a mid-season World Cup. And we're just like, right, everybody ready now? Now you're all in trouble. Now you're all proper fucked. Because our boys have a point to prove here. So 
Yeah, I mean, I, I love Luis Diaz. I, I just he's sensational, and if if, if Colombia, I'd love all our players to miss the World Cup. Let's be clear, <laughs> all of them. They could all stay home. To be honest, um, I'm not even sure I'm watching it. I'm not even sure I'm watching it. I, I, I this year, sorry. I, I probably won't, to be honest, unless I unless I have to. But I, I'm, I, I haven't enjoyed a World Cup since 2006. I thought Russia was fairly poor. Uh, Brazil was poor. South Africa was fairly poor, just in terms of the overall quality. Germany was a good World Cup. Japan said Korea We may have poor. to watch it just from a content perspective. That's the only problem, but let's see. Because um, otherwise... Yeah, exactly. Really yeah, so that's it. Adams hit it there. So they basically need... Colombia need Paraguay to draw or beat Peru. And Peru are at home. Now, Colombia play Venezuela, and Venezuela are bottom of the group. So Colombia should beat them fairly comfortably. But... um Okay. Let's do the. Yeah, let's, let's move the, on then. Let's, so the, let's get the, the big three. So our historic three legends yeah. of the of the club uh, for what they've achieved. Well, we do the easy one first. The easy one, I think, is Bobby. Yeah. Do you keep him? I think you keep him. I think you keep yep. him and you extend him because number one, I think he's the easiest one to keep. I think the the wage demands will be by far the lowest of the three. And he knows. He knows. Yeah, and Bobby, I think, is now accepting of the fact that he is no longer an automatic starter. He's a squad player, but he's a really important squad player. And the thing with Bobby is, what kind of market is there going to be? Like, what are you actually going to get from selling Bobby? 20 million, 25? It'll cost a lot more than that, than that, that to go injuries. and replace him. Not even that with injuries. Yeah, that's it. He started to get a, a few injuries over the last while. So I would extend Bobby. And, and as Carol Matchett just says it outright, just run him into the ground. Keep him for another three, four years, run him into the ground, leave nothing left. Yeah. And like he's probably gonna be happy enough because he, he loves the club, he loves the city, he's very settled here, he's got very close friends in Ali and uh Fab. He's very close friends with Tiago as well, who's just fitted in like a dream with the Brazilian boys, because his dad is an icon in Brazil because he's a World Cup winner. Yeah. So the lads love him. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, I, I think Bobby, um, I think you have to keep Bobby. I, I think he's, point, I he's so important about, as well. Yeah, I have one point about Bobby. I think there's something in the uh, the usage of Bobby this season so far, especially the sub-don appearances. So if the Premier League grows some balls and actually bring in five subs, right, what you'll find is what we've done with Jota and Bobby sometimes is amazing they've come on and they've known i think beforehand that they're going to be playing a half each and just run themselves ragged a half each like historic levels of pressing ragged but what it's done is we've won big games inter milan away arsenal away those type of things has, mm. have happened you know those yeah. those are those were big games for us really key times so if you've got players that like that that can come in and just come and give you a half like that, I know Bobby did so much that game against Inter got injured because he yeah. literally went fucking nuts, went nuts chasing everything. He hasn't got the pace, but he's got the he's got the technique and he knows the triggers. He knows he's the so team intelligence exactly inside out. He knows the press and he drives it. So that so pressing system minutes, was dude. built around him, of course. 
Like, that pressing system was built around him. So you're right, he's vital. We've got to keep yeah. Bobby. We got to and keep and Bobby. if Bobby is your fifth forward and Jota is your fourth forward, like, that's ridiculous levels of depth. And then Tacky is your sixth and Cade Gordon is your seventh. And then in a year, if Tacky does want to move on, Cade is ready to step up as the sixth forward. That's a great situation to be in. And, and like you said... League. If the and Premier League gets the, the testicular fortitude <laughs> yeah. to to have the five subs, which I do think is going to happen, I think there's so much pressure now. Chris Wilder's gone the from the league. It's got to. It's, it's got, got to next season. Got to next season. So with Wilder not in the league and probably not coming up this season, because I don't think Burrow will come up. I think they'll miss out in the playoffs. And the potential for Dyche to be relegated, I, I do think that's two of the biggest um, protesters Gone, idiots yeah. from the division. People Look, that and, care and about players. what's brilliant is Klopp just picking at them constantly and men- mentioning them by name. But if we get five <laughs> subs next year, then we can go into games with yeah, a set like, plan of right. We've got two subs we're going to make in the forward line. We've got two subs we're going to make in midfield. So, for example, next season it could be that Thiago Chumani and and uh, Fabinho are the starters with Henderson and, and Naby on the bench, ready to go. And in the games those two start, we have Chuameni and, and Thiago on the bench, ready to go. So on 60, oh, you're tired from chasing around our starting 11? Here's four fresh lads. Yeah. On you go, boys. And then you keep that fifth substitution in case something else happens, in case there's an injury or whatever. So you have four basically pre-made in your mind and you know how Klopp loves to be prepared. Like, Klopp has everything planned out to a fucking T. While people might think he's this mad fly-by-the-seat-of-his-arse German who's emotional, Klopp is so detail-orientated, and he's Linders is as well. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's like, they're, me, just, they're me, so just ready. A point. Let me just make a point here. So, basically, we're talking about the forwards. Literally, any Champions League and Premier League week, all five are playing. Like they're they're playing yeah. minutes, so it it's a it's a squad game now more than you know. We always talk first elevens, and it's important for us to talk about this because you need around a sixteen to eighteen on yeah. a two game week. So you need a yeah. sixteen to eighteen real core of sixteen to eight. If we can get to sixteen to eighteen players, which I think we're nearly there. I think we probably more just close. need a couple of full. We we need a couple of fullbacks, so or maybe another right back, definitely. And then a couple of um, a midfielder. Right and back then, and a midfielder away from it, I think. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so you've got that 16 to 18. Then you're literally saying to that 16 to 18, every, every, game, every time there's a midweek game and a weekend game, literally you're all getting fucking minutes. You're all playing. You're all going to play. And we need to make them play. And this year, that's what started to happen as we turned the year and the rotation really kicked in in January. Literally, that's what's been happening. How many players? I think it's a it's a core of sixteen, seventeen now, Dave. With all the midfielders, with Naby, Thiago is the biggest example of one, right? One player. Then you've had Ibu come in for the centre backs. Yeah, you've had uh, you've had uh, Jota and uh, you've had the five front five interchanging literally every game. So it just then becomes this nice big churn of a squad, and that's what's made us get to this point. I can't see mm. Klopp turn, turn, turning his back on this now, this model now. No, so next season's going to be awesome. If we can get, like you're saying, and we'll cover this in the next pod, if we can get some big players in, 
I think he's also someone that other players are drawn to. So, you know, we've seen Ali and Fab join the club and who's the guy they've they've gone to? Bobby. Thiago, one of the players that made him settle so quickly was Bobby. Jota the same and Diaz the same. Like Bobby's a very Bobby's a leader in this squad among the Latin players. Bobby is the senior pro among the Latin players. That like senior pro in terms of Liverpool, obviously Thiago's a bit older than him. But he's the one who's been here the longest. Mm. He's the if I'm not mistaken, he's the second longest serving. Yeah. Klopp respects him so much. Like he won't hear a bad word about Bobby Firmino. No. He won't. He won't ever. It just shows you the respect because he knows everything that Klopp himself has achieved has been on the back of building the, the, that forward line around, around Bob. And when Bob plays, for example, I think people, go, people are picking Bob to play against City because we need that in the team. For oh, the yeah. Team. Exactly. oh, yeah. That's the thing. And like, that's the type of... There, there are just games that are Bobby games. Like There's games where Jota has to play, like Arsenal. No matter what, no matter form or anything, Jota plays against Arsenal. And there's an argument that Bobby plays against Arsenal as well because he's just so good against them. The same thing with City. Bobby always does well against City. City hate the sight of him. Yeah, if John, Stones, just, if John Stone sees a picture of Bobby for me, <laughs> rumours are he just immediately shits himself, <laughs> let alone seeing him on a pitch. But John Stones is terrified of Bobby. He's they hate him dropping more in. Time. They, oh. they hate him dropping in, picking the ball up, turning. They hate him. All of it. It's just he's just so influential against them. Yeah. It seems like he knows how to hurt them as well, which is great. We need to, we need more of that. So, yeah. right, the two big ones. Okay, these are the two yeah. big ones for us. So, uh, the last four years, you know, heavily relied on these two boys. We absolutely adore them. Now, the issue is, I, I think it's up in the air. You know, Dave of what happens this summer with, with Sadio and Mo. If Sadio... Dema- I can't see Sadio demand because he's such a bloody gorgeous human, right? And I think he knows he's dropped a bit of a level. Now, I Sadio's- don't think he knows that. Okay, maybe maybe not. But if Sadio is going to demand silly money, because also, why hasn't he ex- been extended yet? Everybody's focusing I- on Mo, right? Why have Sadio and Bobby not been... Extended yet? Then something. I think. Going I down. think Bobby, because Bobby's easy to do. Yeah, but Sadio. I, I genuinely don't want any part of a Sadio Mane contract extension, guys. Don't want any part of it. Not at any. Not at any number because he's on two hundred grand a week at the minute. He he and Mo and Virgil and Bobby got those big new contracts in twenty nineteen after the Champions League. I don't want any part of a Sadio. There's a chance of both of them going, dude. There is a chance. Yeah. There is a chance. Be, but have to be objective. I, I would be looking to sell Sadio, regardless of what happens with Mo. With Mo. I'd be looking to move him on. I still think there's, there's value in Sadio. I still think you can get 50 to 55 million, maybe even a little bit more. Because numbers-wise, he's still the same player he was. Hmm. It's when you watch him, you realize he's not the same player. Now, he has adapted his game quite well, and he's still a very effective player, and he's an efficient player. But I don't... I would rather move Sadio on 
and take that money and reinvest it in a younger version of Sadio, be it a Christopher Nkunku or a Joe Felix type who can come in. Because Sadio is obviously now transitioning into playing that central role a bit more. And I I just look at Nkunku or Joe Felix and think you guys would absolutely thrive in that role. And Nkunku is five, six years younger. Felix is even younger than that. We could get six, seven years out of them. Whereas with Sadio, yeah, you can extend them and get maybe two more good years. But then what? And because of our model, we need to be selling players to replace them and replenish the squad. We continually hear about, oh, the the summer of 2022, and and that's going to be the the big refresh. And now we've had Paul Joyce come out this week and say he doesn't think anything of the sort is going to happen. He just said it's dependent on outgoings. Now, that to me says that there's not a big big pile of money sat to one side. What's dependent on outgoings? Uh, big incomings depend on outgoings. Oh, right, okay. So if if we are going to refresh the squad, we have to do it by selling players. And like with Naby, we can't afford to let Sadio run his contract out and leave because then how do we replace him? Then you go from potentially replacing him with a £60 million football or a £50 million football like in Kunku to replacing him with someone for £25, £30 million. Now, there's... There's merits in that. You could go and buy maybe a Brennan Johnson or something and look to develop him. But I'd rather get someone like Nkunku who comes in and can immediately hit the ground running and be part of and on the same level of the rest of the striking group. So I would sell Sadio regardless of the Mo situation. I would have sold him a year ago if his value hadn't cratered after such a bad season last year. I think we as a club would have sold him after we won the title if it wasn't for COVID. I think we would have sold him if it, if it wasn't for COVID. Off the back of the title, because he was the best player in the league that year. And his value yeah. was, was about, he was probably, he probably would have brought in 120 million-ish. Yeah. If you consider what, what Hazard went for a year before, mm. who was older, less consistent, and had only one year left in his contract. At that point, Sadio had multiple years left, was younger, was at you know the, what looked like the peak of his powers. I think Sadio goes yeah, two years AJ, ago, not for AJ Cole. makes a great point in the chat. Didn't we already sign his replacement too? We have. We really have. You know, We've signed his replacement on the left side, but we needed that anyway. Mm. And we can't fall into this trap again. This is the same, or will Thiago's the Ginny replacement stuff that we had no, we still, need another. we still need we another. Need another. Yeah, yeah, you, we need another. We need five high-end because, attacking because players. the left is sorted with Jota and Diaz now. What Jota and Diaz on the left. Yeah. And say and Nkunku, Bobby in the middle. And yeah, and, in, right. and Kunku and Bobby would be the middle two. And then Nkunku, Jota and Diaz can all play right side as well. So, yeah, I, I, think, I think you sell Sadio. I know it's harsh. And I know it it will upset a lot of people, but I just think it is time to move him on. Like, we've already got one Albatross contract that's going to really hurt over the next three years. 
I do think Sadio could become another one. And I don't think he's signing for anything less than about 300 grand a week. I think he's... Like, the thing with Sadio is, Sadio looks at himself and thinks, I'm Mo. I'm the same level of player as Mo. And he has every right to believe that because for four years, him and Mo were, or three years as it was, him and Mo were neck and neck. Last year, Sadio fell off. This year, he's performing well, not at the same level as Mo, but I still think he's the same. I think he sees himself as the same level of player as Mo. And if Mo is getting 350, 400, I think Sadio's going to want similar enough. I know we all say, oh, but he's humble and he's this and he's that. So is Mo. But remember, I've said this to you before, when you get players that so many people rely upon, because Sadio isn't just about creating generational wealth for himself and his family and breaking generational poverty for himself and his family. Sadio has a village of people that rely on him. Sadio has a nation of people that rely on him. He puts so much money back into his country. Sadio's not looking for 300, 350 grand a week for himself to put it in a bank account so he can log into his online bank and go, God, look how rich I am. Sadio would be looking for that type of money so he can go back to Senegal and build schools. Yeah, build schools, build hospitals, build an academy, change the lives of people. That's what Sadio wants to do. To do that, he needs money. And there's been reports and rumours for about two and a half years now that his agency and Paris Saint-Germain have been looking into the possibility of building multiple academies across Senegal and surrounding countries and that PSG would want Sadio. Because remember, now, it's sports washing, of course it is, but they would want Sadio as the face of all of that. They would want him as the guy at the forefront of doing that. Number one, it is sports washing. Number two, it benefits PSG if they can have first crack at the immense amount of talent in that region of the world. You know, Senegal, Ghana, wherever, Ivory Coast, wherever else. There's an incredible talent base there. And PSG are smart enough to know we want to dig into some of that. And if you have Sadio at the forefront of it, you can hold him up as a shining example of, look what you can become. You can become Sadio Mane. And you can change the lives of yourself and everybody around you. And I think Sadio takes his responsibilities to his people very, very seriously. Like, okay. he's so, back in Senegal all the time. He wants yeah, to so improve we, the lives of them all. We get he's going to want more. So it's not going to happen here. No chance, right? No. That's, that's not going to happen. So if he was to... I mean, I don't know... And it's been Liverpool, really quiet about that value extension. Yeah. I, I don't even really know if Liverpool would give the same money either. Um, but they'd want to cash in on him and not leave, let him leave for free. Now, would you say the same for Mo? What about if Mo rejects every move and plays... The, the last year of his contract? I don't think he'll do that. I don't think Mo will reject. If if Mo gets offers, like let's let's just let's just wind it back a little bit on Mo, right? 
So what do we know about Mo? What do we actually know for a fact? Not a whole lot. No, there's not no a fact. whole lot. There's no. Fact. We know what we've heard, hmm. and we know what the speculation is. So what we've heard is that there was the loose outline of a contract, and now the goalposts have maybe been shifted because his agent's playing silly beggars. What we don't know is how much real truth there is to that or what Mo himself wants. Because the only person who seems to know what Mo wants is Fabrizio Romano. And most people's, <laughs> most people's uh, meltdowns have been uh, based on the tweets of Fabrizio Romano in which he links his YouTube channel so that you can go and watch that and get him clicks to drive his ad revenue so that he can make money. Fabrizio Romano is a liar and a spoofer. His entire career was built off an interview he did with Wesley Schneider on his Facebook page many years ago. An interview which never happened, never took place. He invented an entire interview on his Facebook page, which Schneider and Inter Milan publicly not privately, publicly came out and said that didn't happen. Schneider said he'd never heard of him, let alone sat down for an interview with him. That is who Romano is. That's how he built his name, by telling lies, by fabricating nonsense. And people going on about how, well, his agent's cozying up to him. What are you talking about? He tweeted about him once. In January. And all he said was how hard he's working. Because Romano appears to never sleep. Because he's got two or three very lowly paid interns. Who send out most of his tweets for him. At three o'clock in the morning. While he's tucked up in bed. Like you've got multiple outlets on YouTube. Fan accounts. Paying him to come on and talk absolute bobbins. You've got some bunch of clowns, I think it's Anfield Edition, paying him monthly for a column that he doesn't write himself. He has someone write it for him. You've got the Guardian paying him every single month and putting his name on stuff that the guy can't write his own name, let alone write out a fucking article. And I know this from people that have worked with him when he was working with DiMarzio. Like, nobody likes him that worked with him at DiMarzio. He's not at all taken seriously in Italy. And yet the English fans just live on his every word. It's a bit like Balaga years ago. Guillaume Balaga was a laughingstock in Spain. He was like, like, imagine, is it John Cross? Take John Cross for an example, right? John Cross is notoriously unreliable for transfer information. Constantly wrong about everything. If John Cross went to Spain and acted like the English expert and the Spanish all went, oh, well, he's from England, he must be an English expert. He must know all of the players. That's basically what happens with Balaga and Romano. They're not at all taken seriously in their home countries. But English fans are so drawn in by a suntan and a fancy accent that they just assume these guys have credibility. And Romano built his reputation by telling lies growing a following, 
And then because he grew a following, other people followed him because, well, he's got a following, he must have some credibility. His following got big enough to the point where he got a bit of power. Then he did get some connections to some agents by kissing all the right arses. And a couple of clubs were like, well, we have one million followers on Twitter. He has three million followers on Twitter. So if he tweets this for us or if we get him in the ad, it'll go more viral. And he started to do that as well. This guy is has built a, an entire empire for himself based on sand. He, he lives in a sandcastle. The chap is a spoofer and a liar. And Liverpool fans lose their shit because he tweets about a few tweets about Salah that have no foundation. And the reason you know he's lying, the most obvious tell that he's lying, is that he tries to tell you things from the Liverpool side. And it's blatantly obvious he's never, ever had any insight at Liverpool. Like, he tries to claim he broke the Canate story. He tweeted it three days after David Ornstein. The guy is a spoofer and people get so worked up about him saying Salah is rejecting the contract offer. He's done nothing of the sort that anybody can tell for a fact. You're basing no, no, it Klopp's on Romano. It. No, Klopp's already stated it. There's been no rejection. Exactly. Exactly. Jurgen no Klopp. There's, no be, there's been no agreement and there's been no acceptance rejection. of the deal. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. That's sorry. Rejection. You're right. So it. are you going to listen to what Jurgen Klopp, the actual manager of the football club, who is involved in all of this stuff, or are you going to listen to Fabrizio Romano, who spends his time stalking people outside hotels in Milan and tweeting, here we go. Like, get a fucking grip. Let's, um, yeah, so yeah, now. But what, here's the thing. We've got to cover the, the eventualities here. If, if, if Salah had rejected the contract offer, yeah. if Paul Joyce would know about it. Yeah, for sure. Someone, it would leak, Paul Liverpool Joyce would leak it. Liverpool would leak it. Bro. Yes, they would. 100% they would Because they'd it. want... They would fan want, they want to pressure. set up the fan pressure to either get Mo to sign or in the summer if they had to sell him, well, he rejected a contract offer. What do you, What were we to do? Yeah, exactly. We've paid as much as we can. That's they, exactly. Our, they yeah. would leak numbers and everything. They did it to, to, to Sterling. Yeah. Think they'll about it. it to, they'll do it to anyone. Dude, at the end of the day, it's a business. We talk about it is a business. Players and being, if players are allowed to earn the money, the clubs are allowed to decide how much they can afford a player. Right? At the end of the day, if that if that's the best they can do, that's the best they can do. You know, this is this is just a fact. We have to accept it. We can we can hate it. We can hate it all we want. We can have an opinion on it, but the fact is, they're going to do what's best for their business. Guys, their business. He who controls the narrative controls the popular view, right? Raheem Sterling told Liverpool in the middle of 2014-15, I do not want to discuss a contract until the summer. Yeah, exactly. It could be that. Liverpool then offered him a contract extension a week later. And Sterling said, I don't want to discuss a contract until the summer. He didn't reject it. He didn't turn it down. Liverpool leaked through the echo that Sterling had turned down a contract extension. Sterling then went and did an interview on the BBC 
saying, I didn't reject a contract extension. They offered me one after I told them I didn't want to talk about it till the summer. And I reiterated, I don't want to talk about it till the summer. Liverpool then fined Raheem Sterling for doing that interview on the BBC and put it out again through the echo that Raheem Sterling and Brendan Rodgers were at odds. And then Liverpool very carefully crafted a narrative that Sterling was greedy, that his agent was causing problems. I think it was all Rodgers, mate. All of which was Rodgers and Ian Eyre. All of which was Rodgers and Ian Eyre. And the reason was Rodgers wanted to sell him. But the narrative was that Sterling was being greedy, Sterling turned down contract offers, and Sterling's agent was driving him away from Liverpool. And what is, what is the overwhelming view among Liverpool players of Raheem Sterling? Snake. Money grabber. Greedy. Why is it that way? Because Liverpool control the narrative. Yeah, Liverpool fans, yeah, not Liverpool players. Yeah, Liverpool, um, Liverpool, Liverpool fans yeah, yeah, yeah. don't like Raheem Sterling. Yeah, yeah, Liverpool yeah, Football Club built a narrative through Brendan Rodgers and Ian Eyre and a certain journalist at the Echo who now writes for The Athletic and is punching well above his weight in the romance department, by the way. Um, if anyone hasn't seen his Instagram, go and check his Instagram. Punching. Punching. Uh, but Liverpool did that and created the view that Raheem Sterling was greedy. If Liverpool wanted to create the narrative against Salah, they would do it. Because the same journalist would be happy to run those stories. Yeah. The same journalists who were all around then and have since the inside story based on a bunch of lies they were told by Liverpool Football Club, they would run those stories again about Salah. If Liverpool wanted it to get out there that Salah had rejected a contract offer, all of that would be out. But since yeah. he, they haven't done that, logic I'm would dictate glad. he hasn't turned down anything at all. I'm glad we've got a manager that's very honest and he said directly nothing's been rejected. I think if it gets rejected and someone asks him in a, in a, in a press conference, he'll literally say it. Yes, he has. He's rejected it. And then that's all he'll say. He won't, he won't put an opinion on it. He'll just say, yeah, Mo's rejected it. But the fact that the manager's come out and said that there's an offer on the table, it's not been accepted, it's not been rejected, chill the hell out, it's going to take time. He's literally said it's going to take time. So something's going on, right? Just, just let it happen. He didn't actually do, though. Like... Here's the thing. People go on about, look, his agent disrespected Klopp. What did he actually do? He sent one tweet with some laughing emojis. And people chose to interpret that in a certain way. But what do we really know about Rami? That he's got one client that anyone cares about. Nobody would know who he was if it wasn't for Salah. He's not even an agent, apparently. He's a lawyer. He's a lawyer. But he loves a bit of attention. He he loves the attention. He is the type of guy who likes to walk up to someone's house, light it on fire, go for a stroll around the block, come back and just see what's happened. And then have a good old chuckle to himself when he sees people running around with their heads on fire, trying to get their valuables out of the house and all the neighbours are out and they're like, oh my God, the house is on fire. That's what he likes to do. So he sent that tweet, likely put his phone down, gone off, he's done whatever it is he wants to do for a few hours, he's come back, he's had a look, and he's just seen chaos 
and he's having a, a good old laugh with himself and he flicks to see what's trending. And what's trending? Him. He's trending. And he's got the attention he wants. And the more attention he gets, the bigger his profile gets and the more clients he'll get. Me and Oriole used to do the same fucking stuff when he used to be active on Twitter. You don't read anything into it. It's done to get a reaction. Rami is a troll. He's trying to get you to react. He's not doing it for any other reason. There's no calculated measures behind what he does. He's just trying to get a reaction, trying to be the topic of conversation. So stop worrying about it. Worry about it in the summer. If he hasn't signed a contract by the summer, then worry about it. And if he hasn't signed a contract by the summer, we'll probably sell him. We'll probably sell him. And we should sell him. We should sell him if he hasn't signed a contract. But I still think he will sign a contract for two reasons. Number one, I still maintain that one of the things that's holding it back is we don't want to massively increase our wage bill. So we're waiting for a big contract to drop off the wage bill. That big contract will be that of one James Milner. The Sadio contract could also drop off if we sell him. And whoever comes in to replace him will come in on a lot less money, probably like half of the 200 grand a week. So there's if, if Sadio leaves and Milner leaves, Milner doesn't need to be replaced. And Sadio's replacement comes in for half. Of, there's 250 grand a week of open salary money, most of which can go to Mo. There's also the issue over the image rights. And if they get resolved, then... And, and they're not actually available to be bought until the summer. They're not available to be purchased until the summer. Because Rami and Mo sold them to a third party. And that's how Mo makes a lot of money from his commercial side. They become available this summer. They, they, we can bid on them now, but they can't be bought until the summer. Because they're not available. And when those two things become clearer, then we'll have a clearer picture. But you absolutely give Mo the contract. I disagree with what JC has said here. I think he will carry this form well into his 30s. I look around the league. I look around Europe. I see the likes of Lewandowski, Cristiano Ronaldo, Karim Benzema, Suarez, who were able to maintain well into their 30s. I look at Jamie Vardy. Salah has more talent in his right foot than Vardy has in his entire body. And Vardy is still banging goals at 35-36. Now, he's had some injuries this season and last, but he's still double figures in goals. I said it before. I will say it again. If Salah gets what he wants, which I believe is a four-year extension on top of the year he has left, that brings him up to 2027. I see no reason why in that five-year span he can't repeat what he's done in this this five-year span from when he joined till now in which case he'd be roughly 25 26 goals behind Ian Rush in the list of all-time top scorers I, I just don't think you let that walk out the door that type of production that type of consistency that type of world-class level you, you you absolutely move heaven and earth to keep him yeah, there's got to be something, and I think I think with you know there's a lot of stuff going on Twitter now about image rights and things like that. So, you know, at the end of the day, um, yeah, Liverpool want want those rights. I'm, I'm sure they do. They, I'm sure they want to make mm. a lot of money. 
you know, uh, off of off of Mo. But those rights now, unfortunately, when so there's a big difference here, right? But people need to understand that people aren't getting, and people just seem to think that it's okay to for Mo to give up his rights because he's already earning X amount. I'm sorry, you need to. You, that's not how business is done. Mo now is also a businessman. Okay, he's worth, he has a worth, there's a value to his rights. So when most of these players join, right, they don't have a value to those rights. They just say, yep, this is part of the contract, here you go. It's a it's a certain amount that they just go for it, right? They do it. Liverpool didn't do that with Mo, because Mo was smart. He kept his rights, because he knew something was about to happen. He already knew in Egypt, he was he had a value. And then, Liverpool didn't want to take that up, at the, right, at that point. Okay, they didn't want to pay for it. Now, he's literally the highest paid player in the league. Okay, when you include his image rights. So therefore... Uh, I would say Cristiano's image rights. Oh, sorry. Apart from, it, apart from Ronaldo, before Ronaldo joined. Yes, yeah, so he's the outside of Ronaldo, who's a different level anyway, Messi and him. In this league, he's the highest paid player. Okay, due to his image rights. So imagine if he's already earning 500, 600 grand a week right now. Okay, just imagine. If Liverpool want to buy those rights, that's what they've got to pay him. You can't say, oh, we want your rights. Here's 400k. That's not how it works. How would that work? Why would he give up money? Think about it, fucking folk. I mean, people just... I'm, the, the, I've not tweeted about it, and I've watched people talk about it, and I am dumbfounded by... Intelligent people not understanding this. There's a value on those rights already. If you want them, normally you pay over to get them. Normally. I reckon Mo would literally take the value for them right now, what they're worth, plus a raise on his current wage. That will fly over the top. But, but if Liverpool are so intent on having those rights, then it's them that's the problem. They can literally not have those rights, give him an increase, and, 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 and it all will be fine. All will be fine because he'll sign on to the contract because he'll keep his rights. He can then go, you know, I'm sure it's not Mo insisting, buy my rights too, pay for my rights. I'm sure not, he's not. He can make more money on his own. But imagine Liverpool getting those rights, being allowed to use Mo. Have you seen all the, all the brilliant content Liverpool produce with the players, right? That doing, you know, what Simicas and uh, and Jota and Thiago just did, what Ibu and VVD did, that's product placement, right? That's product placement, making money of those sponsors. They want Mo. Those sponsors want Mo. They want Mo on those adverts, but they can't get Mo because Mo owns his rights. Liverpool want those rights because they will make an absolute fortune, but. That's the thing. That's the thing. You've got to you've got to pay the value. You've got to pay the value. If you're not paying the value, then you're not getting you're not getting them. It's simple as that. So right now, I think the best thing would be would be for Liverpool to just say, "Yep, yeah, that's going to push us over budget. It's going to push us right over our um structure. We need to now sort it out and say, "Here you go. Let's just go with the current deal as it is and have those wages." I don't understand otherwise. I don't understand what the problem is. It's literally the way it is now. So, it, it, it's it's a mess. But, it's a major mess. 
But, I mean, we, we're just guessing, aren't we, actually, if it's a mess or not, we don't know. I really do hope it's a thing that we're waiting till the end of the season. But, who knows? I, I am feeling nervous, I'll be honest. I am feeling nervous. But, I just, I just can't understand the people that don't understand the value of the image rights. It's just mind-boggling to me how um, intelligent people do not understand that, that he has a value. And they have a value. And, he, and just stick to the normal deal. Just give him a raise and let him keep his rights, man. That would be so much simpler. Yeah, and that might be might be where the compromise is reached. This whole thing might be over the image rights. That he wants to keep them. That he views them as being too valuable to let go. And maybe that's where where it goes. So... um. I, I think we get a deal done with him. I do. Uh, we might have to pay a little bit more than we want, and such is life. They gave Jordan Henderson a contract for more than they wanted to. They gave him a contract they didn't want to, to give. Salah's far more valuable on and off the pitch than Jordan Henderson. So, you know, get it done. And for all those out there criticizing Salah for playing it out in the media, he's done nothing of the sort. At all. Not even slightly. What you saw was a tweet by his agent in January that had nothing to do with Salah and then a bunch of lies from Romano. You put two and two together, you got 73, and you've run away with yourselves. But yet, you had nothing to say last August when Jordan Henderson went running off to the Athletic to tell them the club were being mean to him and not giving him the contract he wanted. But it wasn't about money. But yet he got himself a big pay rise and an extra year and made up some lies that PSG and Atletico Madrid wanted him. Among the most ridiculous things in the world, Atletico Madrid want him because he's friends with Suarez. Do me a favour. And no one, no one had much of anything bad to say about Henderson running off and playing his contract out in the media. But yet Salah does and people lose their minds. So we've got, we got two hours done here, which is crazy. But the overall thing of these keep, sell, and loan is that it's Sadio, that's, Sadio that, that we think is going to be sold as, as well as Divock, whose contract might expire or sold. Mm. And then Takumi, if, if he pushes. If he pushes. Good, yeah, if we get a good And the same deal. with Costas and the same with Joe. But look, if but we, we want everything we this keep year. Firmino and, and Mo. Yeah, definitely. We want to keep from it. Look, yeah. So basically, we want Carrius gone, Nico gone, Nat gone, Sep loaned, Hem- uh, Ox gone, Milner gone, Hurtis potentially loaned, Sadio sold, Divock released, and then Taki, Gomez, and Costas, we'd like to keep. But if they push to leave or a big offer comes in, you at least consider it. I think that's where we stand. Yep. Right then. Okay, we still have... So that's the whole squad done, folks. I know we've gone long, but hope you enjoy it. Um, We will do another show this week uh, on the players that we have said might be leaving. uh, Who replaces them? So Dave's got a little bit of homework, but I think he's had it all in his head already anyway as to who he wants and where he wants them. So we'll go through those. That'll be fun. 
And um, yeah, I think there's a UP um, on Monday the 28th about the Salah contract, so that'll be interesting too, um, with the UP guys and their opinions on those. And I think there's plenty coming, actually, looking at the schedule that we've got. We've got an AI scouted, I think, that Dave's already done. There's an on-the-books that he's done too with Trev. Um, Minefield's out now. And then I think we've got another Money Talks coming. There's two so, scouts to come this week as well. And two more scouted in a UP and another old school. How good is that? So, yeah, you've got plenty to look forward to. The AI scouts out in the morning. So this is Saturday today. so Sunday morning. Um, this is probably going to be out on Sunday as well. So, yeah, it'll be um, when you're listening. It's already out anyway. Um, apart from that, thank you, Dave, for your morning. I know I got you up early. Did he did on a Saturday morning? <laughs> huh? Friday how, how you you that? were you, you went. This is how different we are. You were swimming this morning before we podcasted, and I literally walked the fifteen steps from my bed <laughs> to my office. <laughs> literally out onto the landing and in through the door that's directly across from the bedroom to the computer. Uh, and that was literally my morning. So yeah, yeah, I didn't. I didn't even have breakfast. I don't actually have breakfast. I go straight to lunch. So I, I literally sort of try and get a morning swimming. So there's a health club just around the corner. So I try and get thirty minutes in there. And if I can hit some of the gym before that as well, either before work or like days like this, the swimming is the key. It just doesn't injure you if you're going to do something. Um, you can go as hard as you want in there. And it's um, it's pretty good. So, yeah, just jump in the jacuzzi for a bit as well, you know. Sauna, it's all good. Health club is nice. Health clubs, folks. Health clubs, not gyms. <laughs> health clubs. Rotten with money he is in his gated community that he lives in. <laughs> oh, man. Just sign the <laughs> mo contract. Anyway, you know what? Thank you so much again, Dave. We're, we're going to try and arrange um, to do the, the next one where we, where we buy some players. I think, I think the guys, the interaction in here shows you that they'll probably be more interested in that than uh, the other plan we had. But I think, um, yeah, let's, let's do that and kind of do a precursor to the transfer committee that's coming in the, in the, in the summer. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. So um, I'm ready to go whenever you want to do that. So just let me know. Will do. We'll be in touch. Uh, thank you, folks, um, for listening. And make sure you take in all of the content that's coming. And yeah, there's loads. There's loads this international break. It's just a week to go till we play. Uh, literally, where we're recording time now, we would have kicked off. We'll be kicking off this time next week. So, whew, it's all coming. Big, big, big period of uh, games for Liverpool. We can't wait. Catch you soon. Up the Reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.